Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us. While all elements of the economy have certainly been affected by the pandemic, certainly one of the more interesting questions is how it would affect the commercial real estate industry as employees worked from home and employers found themselves with office space they weren't using. We wanted to get an update on that situation. Who better to ask than Terry Coyne, the vice chairman of the Cleveland office of the commercial real estate services firm Newmark. Terry, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. We spoke last year at this time. I was writing a piece for the land about what was happening with downtown office space. In 2020, the amount of space was actually up a bit in terms of leasing from 2019. What were the numbers like for 2021? So 2021, we had uh, a negative net absorption for the year. We had a a little bit of a positive um, kind of uptick toward the end, but overall, the numbers were negative. We also saw a decline in 2020 of uh, leasing of Class A office space. Did that bounce back at all? Yes. I mean, so I think that the class A market, well, let's be clear, all markets suffered. So and all markets will suffer, but class A is going to suffer from a rent perspective, maybe not an occupancy perspective, because as prices go down, people have gone up. So it has been bad for all classes, but uh, the A has seen occupancy stay reasonably stable, but rents have gone down. How do you see the future of this office market, particularly in downtown Cleveland? White collar employees are taking varied approaches to bringing workers back on site. What do you think is going to go on? Uh, you know, I think it's easy to see the future of office. And I think that you see some landlords turn their office buildings into hotel environments on the first floor. If you've got amenities, take the the AECOM building, which depending on your age, my dad calls it Bond Court. Some people call it Penton. It's now called AECOM. And the AECOM building is a building that has four restaurants, a 6,000 square foot gym, Wi-Fi, Peloton pickleball courts, basketball courts, and it's got amenities that want to draw you back into an office. And that is why that building is the only building that actually did positively during the coronavirus, because tenants look at it and say, if I want to recruit a 25-year-old, then I need a space where they want to come to work. Otherwise, you're going to go to an old building and you're going to be Dilbert in a cube and you're going to hate it and you're not going to want to work for that company and you'll stay at home. So I think the companies are looking at real estate now as a strategic advantage and the landlords are going to have to follow. If you don't have amenities, if you don't have a fun place to work, why would I want to go work there anyway? And the numbers reveal that. What are, are there any particular big trends we're seeing in the industrial market? Um, the industrial market continues to, to benefit from two trends. One is e-commerce and the other is onshoring. Reshoring was going on for a while. It's clearly come back. It's difficult to have a supply chain issue in China and not have a decision makers say, I need to have not just in time come China, I need to have just in case. So you're seeing people reshore some of their distribution to the United States just in case supply chain has an issue. And then, you know, the geopolitical issues have forced manufacturing back. And I've done quite a few transactions with manufacturing companies. You know, it's the Rust Belt. We build stuff here. And when things are being built, Cleveland benefits. And there's very low vacancies in, you know, people say, oh, I see signs everywhere. You don't. I mean, there's not vacancy for good or bad. The the one dollar a square foot space that you could find in parts of Cleveland is now three dollars a square foot or more if you can find it. So reshoring and e-commerce have helped a ton. Obviously, one of the big uh, points of conversation here is that the plan of Intel to build this major semiconductor fabrication facility outside of Columbus. How do you think that's going to impact the real estate market across the state? And do, do anything particular here for Northeast Ohio that might come into play? 
Well, you know, the uh, CEO at the press conference said that he wanted every concrete truck in Ohio to be driving to his site for the next 24 months. So I think you're going to see a benefit to the Cleveland area as far as labor for guys who are in the infrastructure business, in addition to the infrastructure bill. So Intel's clearly going to have an impact from a construction perspective. I don't know if we're going to see any benefit here. You know, people were upset that Intel didn't land here. First of all, it's good they landed in Ohio. Secondly, we don't have 3,000 acres contiguous like Columbus does. You could find it if you went south of Canton, if you went toward maybe Youngstown, but then you lose your workforce because you're going more exurban. So I, I think it's a win for the state. I'm not sure if you're going to see much benefit here. Let's talk about the IX Center for a minute. Your marketing space there, it's being repositioned as a hybrid facility with more industrial space, but an ongoing footprint for those consumer shows and events that have made the IX Center famous. And that's why people know the IX Center. What about the level and interest in that space? Are people coming to you now and talking about maybe wanting to get in there? Yes. Yeah. We're marketing that space for three different types of uses. One half of the show space is going to be available for lease. And that is as good, if not better than any industrial warehouse manufacturing building in Ohio or the Midwest. I challenge you to find a better building, frankly, maybe in, the, in America right now. It's 80 foot clear, lots of power, big doors. You could line up three F-16s or three very large planes, I should know, <laughs> side by side by side and drive them into the building and you still wouldn't hit a column. It's, there's unique characteristics of that building make it such that there are lots of people who want the high bay, the space that most people who are listening would know. And then we've got on another side of the wall that no one's really ever seen, warehouse space that's adequate, it's good, it's priced at a different point, but we've had a lot of demand and uh, there's a lot of interest in it just because it's the IX Center, but it, it'll absolutely fill up. There was a mention that there's going to be money spent, uh, government money spent on the Global Center for Health Innovation for renovations. And I've heard one sarcastic person say, why would you renovate a building no one's actually ever been in? What, what do, you, do you think there's a possibility that this thing might, there might, the repurposing it might actually work? No, no. I think it was a mistake to build it. I think it's a mistake to spend money on it. I think that uh, it was a mistake. And I, doubling down, I don't think, sometimes you just got to cut your losses. I, if it were me, uh, I would go and find an office company, you know, like cross country mortgage went into the area on superior and 21st and they bought it right. And they got a lot of incentives and they're bringing a lot of jobs down. I would go and put my arms around some company looking for space. And maybe the incentive is here, here's the building. It's yours. You renovate it. Cause even if you were given it for free, you're going to have to spend a lot of money on it. It's a nice building, totally inefficient, but there's clearly no demand for it. You've been doing this for a while. How's the real estate market different now than when you started? You know, that's a great question. People would ask me on the industrial side how long it would take to lease a building. And I would say it would take, you know, 12, 24 months and they'd be okay with it. Now we're leasing industrial space before tenants are out. We're leasing it six months in advance, 12 months in advance. I do think there is a slowing occurring in the economy. I think that we're already in a recession and I think that uh, there's no avoiding it. But on the industrial side, I think there's still more demand than there is supply. On the office side, it's all going to be amenities. It's just a, you know, an amenities war and you're going to have to, and you're seeing other competitors to the AECOM building spend money, but gone are the days where you would just negotiate your lease rate. Uh, you know, land prices have soared. You could buy land for 65 an acre for years and now it's 250 an acre for industrial and, and then retail just got crushed. So it's, it's the inverse of what, of when I began, when you didn't want to be an industrial real estate broker at the beginning of my career. And now everyone, you know, thinks it's the best place to be. What kind of role does Amazon play in everything that's happening in terms of, you know, the need for space because Amazon does so many things where we used to go to these different buildings and they were the suppliers of, of materials. Are they really still having a big effect on the market? That's a great question. So the Amazon has a, a larger footprint in our market based on the size of our market than they probably 
should, but they have they had tremendous opportunities at Euclid and uh, at the North Randall. So they bought a couple malls, which I think gave them an oversized footprint in the marketplace. Uh, and their impact on our industrial market, I think they're in 6 million square feet, has been remarkable. So if they were to slow or stop, it would loosen things up. There are rumors that that's occurring. Uh, I know that they've pulled out of a couple of deals in our market already. So that would be an interesting, uh, you, you wonder what happens if they were to stop and move to another city or to stop altogether, it would absolutely have an impact on our market. You mentioned you think we're already in a recession. How, how, how do we get to that point? I mean, and what's going to, how's it going to affect the industrial real estate market? So, you know, I think that we're, you see lumber prices are already down in four weeks. And I think that's a evidence of people deciding not to do work on their homes. So the people who are going to get hurt the most and first will be people who are most interest rate sensitive. So I'm not going to take out a home equity line and fix my bathroom. So you're, you're seeing ripples of it. You're going to see you know car loans and increases in defaults. I think it helps the industrial real estate market from a pricing perspective because steel went from $4 a square foot to $17 a square foot in an industrial building just in two years. And lead times went from five months to 17 months. So I think you're going to see smaller lead times and maybe some stability on the industrial side. But I think that, uh, I mean, I, you have to chase the interest rates. They got to come down. The only way to do it, I'm sorry, inflation, you have to raise the interest rates to crush inflation. Do it and do it quickly because it's the poor that'll be harmed the most. Terry Coyne joins us today for the Landscape of Cranes Cleveland podcast. Terry's the vice chairman in the Cleveland office of the commercial real estate services firm, Newmark. I see your ads on TV all the time. Do they pay off? How, how do they do for your business? Uh, yeah, you know, I think they do. It's a branding exercise. So I don't know. I hope, I hope they do. I mean, I'm on the podcast. Maybe that helped. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. You have a button on, the, on your website for Terry Coyne Properties. What about your own investments? Yeah, so I primarily build industrial buildings. I owned one office building and it wasn't the best experience I ever had. I grew up, my dad's still alive. His name is John Coyne. He's 92 years old. He was an orphan at a young age and started buying parking lots at a young age. So real estate ownership has been a family business forever, but it's parking lots and it's industrial buildings. It's, you know, kind of boring, slow, but it's, you know, it's a good business. The city of Cleveland, some would say, really have, hasn't really benefited from the busy industrial market like the rest of the region. We mentioned this issue of land availability. Are there other factors that come into play that why we might not have done as well as some other parts of the country or this, or at least this part, this region? Um, I, there might be macro issues. I'm not smart enough to answer the question, but I can tell you if you gave me 100 acres of clean industrial land, it would be uh, a home run because you've got access to labor, access to transportation, incredible infrastructure, two power companies. I mean, all of the amenities that were built in the 40s and 50s and 60s, and then the population shrunk and the industry went to the suburbs. Imagine if you could, I, I don't know how you'd find 100 acres, but if you did, you'd have the best 100 acres in the area. Probably in this, I mean, in, I'm not sure the state, but there's so many infrastructure components that sit inside of these neighborhoods that are being underutilized. How much of an enterprise is the coin marketing machine? What kind of team do you employ? There's 10 people. There's 10 people. So I cover Cleveland, Akron, Canton, Toledo, Columbus now with two partners down there and Dayton. It's interesting having covering all the state but Cincinnati because you see Cleveland versus Columbus and Columbus is so much e-commerce driven. Toledo. I mean, Toledo is the suburb of, De of Detroit, essentially, and people don't think about Toledo. If you move that line to the south and put it in Michigan, it would be a totally different city. But even down in Dayton. So, I mean, the whole state has different ways of growing. And it's interesting because I've got research people on my team and marketing. I, I've got everything and it allows me to kind of a nice big picture on the whole state. Any thoughts about getting into the Cincinnati market? 
Um, no, not yet. I, yeah, I thought about it, but not, I mean, we've got a great team down there, so that's that's probably not going to happen. And that goes that bleeds into Kentucky. Uh, so I, you know, I I think I could grow here. I like Youngstown. I mean, I think I could be the only person who thinks they should build spec buildings in Youngstown because you see the plant and the Lordstown Motors. I think that's a sleeper market that's going to be taken off soon. Do you see many deals in our state that we just simply can't land because of tax, uh, tax structures or any other constraints? I think that we in Northern Ohio are stuck with the constraints of our real estate. It's old and we don't have big tracts of land, but I think that Jobs Ohio does a great job of neutralizing any, I mean, look at Intel was going, I think to Arizona and they fixed that. So I, I don't think so. I think we're awfully competitive with what we do. And I, I wouldn't, I, I think we're in the top 10% in the country, what we do as it relates to government incentives. Well, I'm going to give you the magic wand though and let you wave it. How could we make the state even more competitive? I think I might get rid of tax abatement. Really? Yeah, I think I would get rid of tax abatement. At least on the industrial side, I think I'd get rid of it because I think that government's job is first and foremost to build a moat and defend its people. You know, that's the Middle Ages. And then it's infrastructure and, and other things. And I, I think the tax abatement is... Like in Northern Ohio, tax abatement doesn't, it's harder, it's hard to get now in tax, a tax abatement than it was 20 years ago. And I think it stops the poaching from city to city. It still happens, but you go to Columbus and you see tax abatement everywhere forever. And I don't know if you need it. I think there's other ways to figure out how you could create incentives than tax abatement. Interesting. I, it's not tax abatement. And I recall when they wanted to build the hockey arena in Columbus. And they said, you know, if the taxpayers don't pay for it, we're not going to build it. And the taxpayers said no. And somebody, you know, ponied up the money and built it. So it's an interesting question. Maybe we've done too much. Yeah. I think the market writes itself because I think if you don't have government incentives, the price has to adjust. So, you know, if you have a, I mean, historic tax credits have been fantastic for Cleveland. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I You wonder though, if you didn't have historic tax credits, would the prices have simply come down on the buildings? I mean, this is coming from a, my family was in the parking business. And my dad is as guilty as anyone of tearing buildings down. And in fact, he was a guy in Playhouse Square who got a permit to tear down the theaters and and made it public. And the Cleveland Press, I think, came out with an article and lambasted my dad and my dad's partner. They didn't want to tear it down because they didn't want more competition. They didn't want more parking lots. So it wasn't like my dad was Mother Teresa. He just wanted buildings not to come down. So maybe that could have been the fate if, but I, you wonder if, tax credits didn't exist would prices adjust. Interesting. Anything else you want to share, Terry? Anything you're excited about in terms of the commercial real estate market for 2022? Um, no, I got to, you know, my, my daughter joined me a year ago, so I'm excited about that. She was a KPMG and she's a, uh, obviously grew up here in town and worked at KPMG and stayed. She's an example of someone we want to keep. And uh, no, I think it's, I think it's a very exciting time in Cleveland. I, I'm very positive and bullish on, on pretty much everything. Well, let me ask you then, and I'll make this the final question to, with your daughter joining the firm. I, we're not ready to put you out to pasture yet, but we have certainly seen here in Northeast Ohio and Cleveland a really changing of the guard, a changing of leadership. Is it time for a new generation to continue to take over? Yeah, I mean, sure. That's just evolution, right? I mean, uh, Len Komorowski is a friend of mine and his transition looked flawless. I mean, that was amazing how seamless they made it. So I'm excited to have my daughter working with me. People always talk about, oh, there's no opportunity in Cleveland. There's tons of opportunity in Cleveland. I mean, there's no reason to leave. I mean, go. I worked in Chicago after graduate school and came back, but I don't buy into the theory that, oh, there's no jobs here. There's more jobs than you can imagine. There's tons of opportunity. Cleveland's a great place. Great. Terry, thanks for joining us today. Great pleasure having you. Yep. Great talking to you. Thank you. Terry Coyne is the vice chairman in the Cleveland office of the commercial real estate firm Newmark. He joined us for the Landscape of Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk again soon. Mm -hmm.